0: Welcome to open sources Guelph on CFRU ninety three point three FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico and joining me is
1: Scotty Hertz. Adam, I was thinking about throwing a couple of beds in the Hertz bunker and renting it out. What do you think? You've seen it. <laughs> You've you, you sat on top of it during a barbecue once.
0: You <laughs> <laughs> you Wash yourself with a <laughs> on a stick or something? Does does it have a separate entrance? Or is it just still just the, the ladder with the, the hatch? It's the, still the ladder with the hatch, so mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm-hmm. at
1: least a grand, you
0: know? Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry,
1: not accessible, no parking. Free library <laughs> out front, though. So, you know, there's some amenities.
0: <laughs> <gasps> oh, boy. A topic for a future day, I would imagine. Yeah, we'll have to get Rodrigo on again to compare notes about uh, accessory apartments. Oh, Anyway, yeah, that is a different topic. Open Source is a CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be the new Ward 6 City Councilor, Ken Yee Chu who will talk to us about beating an incumbent what's coming up in 2023 at council and the potential new federal boundary maps that might split off the south end from the rest of guelph uh that's going to be an issue which we will have to also wait for the future to see but anyway uh that's at the bottom half of the hour before that we're going to talk about some news items from the last week including ukraine it has been almost a year since the invasion began the war shows no signs of stopping though even though Putin is now calling it a war, and we will talk about all of that. But first, uh, no matter how bad your year is going so far, it probably isn't worse than Kevin McCarthy's year. Um, We're we're, we're kind of recording this in the sweet spot uh, on Wednesday evening, where uh, the House adjourned in the late afternoon after the sixth vote to decide who would be the Speaker of the United States Congress, which McCarthy failed to secure 218 again they are going to as we're recording this as as I said uh, get get back into the chamber in less than 40 minutes and see if they can do it again so by the time you're listening to this you may know how many more times Kevin McCarthy has failed to become Speaker of the House Uh, the question is uh, I guess there are a number of questions number one is how many times can (laughs) McCarthy force the House to try and find the elusive 2016 or 20 votes to make him speaker. And number two is if it is not Kevin McCarthy, who will it be? Because nobody has an answer to either of these two questions.
1: Yeah. that And that is, that is a great question. Who will it be? Because he <clears throat> seemed like so much of a sure thing. It sounded like he moved his stuff into the office, which was <laughs> probably a bad move. The optics of that are bad, no matter how you look at it. But mm. Uh, I guess there's a few things that can happen, and I'm surprised. Normally, when we we talk about the uh, um, them sitting again in the states, we just sort of generalize. But this, it's gotten very our topic evolved as we were. um, getting ready to go to air. In fact, it's ongoing right now, uh, but something that could happen is if the Democrats want to cooperate and they probably don't considering, you know, how much grief the Republicans have put them through mm-hmm. is that if enough of them abstain, it can kind of uh, jiggle the numbers a bit so that majority can happen. So that's a positive. It probably won't happen. I know they've been not pleading with the Democrats cause they would never do that, but they've been asking the Democrats like can we, can we change the threshold for this somehow? How do we mm-hmm. do this?
0: Yeah, yeah 30, 30 Democrats stay in their offices and don't go to the House floor. It yeah. makes it, it it changes the calculus so that he doesn't need as many votes to win. So theoretically, but uh, you, you're right. It just it it's in no Democrat's best interest to help Kevin McCarthy. And uh yeah, it's uh, everyone seems perfectly happy watching him squirm.
1: And it may come to some of the pictures were hilarious. I'm sure you saw them where they usually bring their children and their families to these things. So there's like bored mm. kids just hanging out. There was one <laughs> picture that had a row of the old suits. And then there's this he probably like 12 years old, just kind of sitting there like he was, he was new to Congress it was pretty funny. <laughs> so yeah, it, it all went haywire pretty quickly. And I guess they haven't seen a situation like this in a hundred years. And at some point I think it was before the civil war, it took weeks and weeks to decide The speaker because there was that much infighting going on and that's sort of what's it's a two pronged thing here Mm -hmm. i mean the entire goal of the house at least on the republican side is going to be to look to make biden look bad to make hunter biden look bad Mm -hmm. that's going to come back obviously among other things that's not the the democrats priority at all but the fact that the republicans cannot get this together at this point doesn't make anybody look good i mean it makes the usual people that don't look very good like matt gates and uh although marjorie taylor Greene, i guess is has is followed trump's orders because trump came out today and said <laughs> look you know just vote for mccarthy he's a good guy i can't remember but you know it was all all caps at some point i'm like okay so he's back in mccarthy but yeah these these uh ultra right they're calling them now <laughs> mm-hmm. i saw that but was like ultra right like that's that's reserved for uh certain people but uh yeah that they're finally using that term so but yeah it just it just shows you though that they don't they don't have it together things haven't even kicked off yet and they cannot make a decision like this it's not a simple decision i mean the speaker in the states uh does way more than the speaker here they're both very
0: necessary but Mm. you know
1: i think it's a lot more involved and you don't want just anybody in that gig right
0: well, hypothetically, you don't just want anyone in, in in that gig, but you know, the the twenty, um, they're calling them insurrectionists in this instance too. <laughs> well, you know, oh. they they kept putting forward this florida congressman i had never heard of uh named donald's no relation um (laughs) but you know it's he's this big black guy from florida who you know these 20 people keep voting behind and and, you know the press were like talking to him He, he was outside the house at one point during one of the votes and, and, you know, the press is like, oh, so you want to be speaker to us? And he's like, I don't want to be speaker. <laughs> and He's like trying to explain or find an explanation for why, you know, Lauren Bobart and Matt Gates and and all of these people are getting behind him. And then I, I saw somebody uh, of all people, Katrina Pearson, uh, who used to be a surrogate for the Trump campaign in 2016, you know, came on social media and saying, oh, look, you know, all these you know white folks in the house are hiding behind a black man uh (laughs) um because they don't want to support kevin mccarthy but yeah like the 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 political the the political cachet for these people like matt gates lauren Bobart. i mean actually maybe not so much lauren Bobart um because she won by such a very thin margin i can't imagine she's making many more friends in colorado that are going to help her out in 2024 at this point but um yeah it's just the 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 political advantage for being obstructionist is better for these people because they live in like trump plus 40 districts Mm. um than like helping out kevin mccarthy my question is it's like to all these you know quote-unquote moderate republicans you know why doesn't you know, f- three or four of them get together and, like, okay, in this round, this round coming up, this seventh or eighth round, we're going to throw our vote to Hakeem Jeffries because Hakeem Jeffries has been consistently getting 212 votes, which means if, you know, six Republicans, you know, go outside and take a leak um, or forget <laughs> that there's a vote happening, he becomes a yeah. Speaker of the House. Um, I don't understand why maybe three or four get together and say, like, this round, we're going to vote for Hakeem um put the fear of god into hopefully five of these nut knuckle draggers and say like okay if choices between hakeem jeffries from brooklyn and matt Mm. gates or not matt gates of kevin mccarthy we will go that way um but yeah it's it just seems like nobody has a move kevin mccarthy keeps giving things away including this concession that um one person can call a vote to have him removed as speaker uh it's just like at, at what point you got to ask yourself how much further can i debase myself for this job that nobody wants me to have but nobody else seems to want
1: <laughs> yeah and that i d- did see a little bit on that donalds that they put forward and he was you know making the same trump based talking points mm-hmm. but then he quoted uh, martin luther king jr who was, definitely would not have uh, sided with trump on anything so it was kind of odd the whole thing is odd at this point like it's it's just it's not even it's a stalemate of a sort but this Mm. it has to if they don't get a speaker in then nothing happens they don't swear i mean i think the swearing in is ceremonial yeah but things cannot move if this is locked and of course the the democrats are laughing at this whole thing i think biden called it embarrassing biden was like you know this is (laughs) And rightly so I and mean, i'm sure the majority of the republicans are probably embarrassed too simply because it does make the, them look that bad is it going to be two years of this when you have this fringe and it's not just one or two holding sway that could be swayed uh in yeah. some way eventually it's like it's 20 i mean that's that's signature 19 now i guess somebody's changed their mind it
2: mm-hmm. would seem
1: <laughs> that's that's significant mm. so when you've got this narrow majority what is it like four seats or something
0: yeah holding the whole place
1: and then you've got this this block of of 20 rebels uh shutting everything down so far not well everything so far it's like the one thing they need to do so how is this going to go are they just it you know is it going to be the same thing with funding for ukraine or other initiatives that or the debt ceiling or the debt ceiling yeah which is yeah that's something they're definitely Gonna try and get through and it'll be like, no, no, everything's just gonna be no. They're just gonna be contrarian
0: all the way. At least that's the feeling that's coming out of this. So that's the feeling. But again, you're right. This is the first thing. Literally the first thing. There's you elect the speaker, you pass the rules, then you swear everyone in, and then you start legislating. This is the first thing, and we're almost on day three of the first thing. And I like I've been some I've been on some boards that move (laughs) slow me too <laughs> but nobody was getting paid six figures to be there no <laughs> um yeah it, it's just remarkable uh, before we run out of time on this uh we have to talk about uh the artist presently known as george santos because <laughs> 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 that is in fact not his real name apparently um this is oh man- it's
1: it's gone that far mm-hmm. yeah yeah surprised.
0: yeah 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 no this is a man who was elected in uh in November for a uh, New York state district. It covers parts of part of Queens, which is a borough of New York city and a part of long Island, which is um, the, the island that Queens and Brooklyn are on. Um, he apparently lied about his education. He lied about his race and religion. He lied about his mother dying in nine 11. He lied about having employees that died in the Pulse nightclub shooting in Florida in 2016. He lied about, where he worked he lied about uh, I, I don't know i'm running being out of jewish <laughs> we being jewish yes there's um, so many
1: things it's like did you say that one already but yeah it's almost everything right
0: there's so many things and he's been like most republicans have been like super quiet about uh, like hit like this guy who just kind of like made up a complete resume and one office um and yeah. and, <laughs> and he. <laughs> I don't know. Perfect for the Trump era, though, right? Is it not the perfect like
1: grace note to everything?
0: Well, this is it. He's he's a con artist, and he sidled in on a complete. And I I was watching a CNN piece today on YouTube, and they were talking to people in his district. And they are talking to this one woman who voted for him. He's like, "Well, I voted for him because he was out protesting like school closures during COVID." And I'm like, "Okay, so not only is..." he fake the reasons you love him are completely fake and made up too and it's like it's it you're right it's the ultimate expression of this like fantasy dream world that the right wing in the united states have constructed and some people up here have constructed too quite frankly
1: yeah it's it's kind of evidence that this kind of thing has been normalized right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kind of paralleling trump's tax story like I paid millions I paid it's like and the the returns come out it's like no you didn't there's actually a couple times you paid nothing Be, right so being audited too like, I paid millions of dollars no you didn't so it it does it's it fits right in with the mode there I I never watch Fox but occasionally a clip will come up as as they do <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard filling in for uh, Tucker Carlson massive improvement right away <laughs> uh saying <laughs> <laughs> worse Puts him on the hot seat and she's like, Do you have no shame? And he's like, well, we can we can debate my resume. You can't things that are false aren't debatable points. Like if you're lying, it's not a debate as to whether it's true or not. It's the bit the debate is did you lie? Mm-hmm. Right? So there they're, they're different things. So I yeah, was, and there was a, there was a little, another little clip today of him sitting, nobody wanting to talk to him sitting through these, uh, seven votes or whatever the hell they're at now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then supposedly I didn't hear it in the audio. Somebody yelled a liar at him in Portuguese. And I don't know if that was a shot or, cause I guess <laughs> there's from something going Brazil on with over. a bad, a bad check he wrote in Brazil and the, yeah. the Brazilian government want to come after him on that. Yeah. So there's a long history, and his his uh, supposedly wonderful apartment in Queens where it was is actually a dump. They lived in with his sister. Like every
0: single thing is BS. He was so, running on a defense, He was running on a defense of landlords, even though he had been evicted twice. Apparently, he was while well, he was married to a woman, he moved in with an 18 year old man. Um, where he, you know kind of skimped on the rent there allegedly hawked the kid's phone as well uh stole the kid's phone and pawned it so i mean this guy is sketchy 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 and this is epic this is like it's the epic. netflix it's so epic. movie
1: is probably being written right this, now
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> this is a this isn't a movie this is a 10 part netflix miniseries oh god that everyone will be talking oh, about no. but yeah. Yeah. anyway um What we're not talking about so much these days, and maybe we should be, is uh, Ukraine. Uh, Volodymyr Zelensky came to the United States just before the holiday. Um, Pretty successful trip, like optics-wise speaking, and uh, also more resources-wise speaking, that uh, he went home with $45 billion more in support. Um, But yeah, uh, over the holidays, we passed 300 days that the war has been happening. February 24th will be the first anniversary of the war, and you all have to... Since Vladimir Putin launched a gr- unsuccessful ground invasion of Ukraine, let's say. It wasn't the beginning of the war. Um, mm. Although uh, Zelensky in his New Year's Eve address said that uh, the year started at 4 a.m. on February 24th. But yeah, it's, it's still going on. Um, Russia has stepped up these kamikaze drone attacks. Um, it, people are worried that maybe he's lining up another invasion from the north. He... Putin went to Belarus to meet with the president there, uh, Alexander Lachenko. So, uh, also, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Putin is openly calling it a war now, not just a military action. So, uh, no end in sight. Yeah, I wonder whether that was a
1: slip or not. But it's it's probably because since everybody is calling it a war, which it is, uh, he's probably finally caved on that. So, But yeah, it's... keep hearing stalemate it's not really stalemated and it's become pretty entrenched it's like the ukrainians will get a hit they did Mm. supposedly this was interesting and it's not surprising uh russian troops were told don't use your cell phones and they did (laughs) yeah that's how they were able to triangulate man both sides do it in fact it's it's common everywhere now it's like if you get a signal it's like they must be there bang gone Mm -hmm. But when the Ukrainians do score a victory, large or small that they celebrate, then the drones come Mm -hmm. and the drones don't just come for uh, power stations. They come for apartment buildings and hospitals and the Russian government will just say, well, you know, we, you know, the troops are there and it's, it's it's totally not the case. So there's, this is the situation right now. There's, are there gains? You know, is anybody, dying in mass casualties gains uh i don't think it is and over christmas there was uh, some talk of, and they do, every holiday season there's always the well we you know we should we should discuss a truce mm-hmm. and both sides were were saying that over the holidays but they have very different ideas about um talks and discussions of russia's is going to be well we want the donbass back and of course ukraine will be no, you have to get out completely. So they both, they have very different ideas as to where it's going to go or what the end result will be. It, it's probably, I did see one comment saying that, you know, there is going to be a Hollywood ending to this. It's not going to be, you know, the victorious Ukrainians come in and the Russians are marching away. Uh, like the Soviets leaving Afghanistan. Uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be like that at all. It's going to be messy, messy and protracted, I think they'll make a big deal about the one year uh, anniversary, but I don't think it's going to, one of the, one of the things that would end it probably faster would be uh, the death of Putin. Zelensky is the thing we'll keep going. Putin dies. There's going to be, you know, several oligarchs thrown out more windows and whatever (laughs) cleaning house. Uh, But that, you know, that would, that would would bring a quicker end to it. I think in my opinion, it's maybe that's incorrect, but Mm. it's, seems to be a one person operation coming from the Kremlin although it isn't completely we know that it isn't but did you happen to see that uh, the clip of the Hunger Games level party that they were having on New Year's Eve yeah it was frightening that was yeah. frightening yeah. stuff like just the generals sitting clapping or whoever it is with the medals and it was like wow they're really you know amping up the propaganda to the to that weird level
0: yeah it's I I mean, I mean it, it it is kind of partially the stagecraft of this managing uh, this like almost mccarthy like this like oh yeah. it's all going like you see kevin mccarthy in the, in the in the house he's smiling and he's chatting with people and it's like come on dude you've lost this six times and i feel like that's the same with putin he's like putting on this kind of show it's like oh me worry oh ukraine took retook a bit of territory who cares um, as they rain bombs down on
1: apartment buildings yeah it's like
0: right and you know it yeah. just it, it, and these bombs these kamikaze drones are like they're cheap and like oh, they're meant directly just sort of like crash into things it's and you know just cause as much damage as humanly possible i mean how many people in ukraine like millions of people in ukraine spent their holidays in the dark you know having christmas dinner by candlelight or making christmas dinner on candles or mm-hmm. in, in fireplaces or what have you and yeah, it is going to be messy, and I, I I hesitate to to say that Putin uh, being gone is the end of it, because I think that comes with all of its own, a, a whole bunch of new, I mean, I, I don't remember explicitly a lot about when the Soviet Union fell, but I do remember a lot of the fear and tension that was in the air and on the news when that happened, mm-hmm. um, and it would be a similar thing here. Uh, although I did hear before the holiday that apparently a Putin and a lot of top guys have uh, bug out plans for going to Venezuela if <laughs> if the worst comes to worst. Uh, oh, that's not surprising at all. No, it's. I mean, no, he's he's got to play the the uh, the odds too. But yeah, at the same time, this is you know, I remember talking about this last spring and and like just like. talking about like well how does this end when does this end and that's even i think that's even more murky now and on top of it all um i think russia hoped to use the winter as kind of a regrouping period but that's not come to pass it's been a warmer than expected winter in europe so far so his effort to turn the gas taps off and freeze out europe hasn't come to pass fields are still muddy so it's hard to move that heavy artillery and to move those tanks around Um, so yeah, it's just, um, nothing is kind of going Putin's way. And on top of it all, and this is the concerning part that I always try to revisit when we talk about Ukraine, the nuclear situation, the nuclear power plant situation, um, Mm -hmm. the Zaporoznik, uh, one, the largest nuclear power plant in europe still in the danger zone um they're apparently trying to work to find a deal to like create a safety perimeter around (laughs) this nuclear power plant so nobody's like shelling the field like the, the next lot over and things like that and up uh, the European energy minister uh not the uh the Ukrainian energy minister apparently came out and said like well the only way we're going to protect this plant is to take it back from the Russians because the Russians are in possession of it it's like well what is that going to take how ugly a battle is that going to be they abandoned um chernobyl which is not a working power plant but they still abandoned the site it wasn't because they they wanted to give it up it was because you know all the soldiers there were getting radiation poisoning because nobody was taking care and people were digging in fields where where there was like 40 years ago there was like the lethal dose of radiation was buried under six feet of dirt and uh to me that's the scariest part of this that we never really discuss it's like you know we can't even agree to not make the nuclear power plants a battlefield
1: yeah they should have learned important lesson from chernobyl but there does seem to be a level of cowboyism to the Mm -hmm. approach Mm-hmm. And whether that's coming from the top or lower ranks, it's hard to say. Um, it Putin they just tell Putin what he wants to hear, and mm-hmm. whether it's whatever's translating on the ground may or not may or may not be what needs to happen. But yeah, it's it's there. There's a bunch of green recruits coming online. Mm-hmm. That have no like just the minimal training. Here you go, and this is supposed to be the great incursion. They're gonna sweep in, and they're gonna, but it's it won't it won't happen. It it just won't. Like it, it, if they haven't done the training, you've got a seasoned force on the on the Ukrainian side that are just gonna eat them for lunch. That's mm. probably what's gonna happen. This talk of a Ukrainian uh, advance brewing up, like they're they're gonna go for it. I don't know if that's just talk or conjecture or what but if they see an opportunity Mm -hmm. and i guess if these guys don't listen and take their cell phones with them it might be uh (laughs) it might be easy to get them but that is just and the fact that they're admitting to that is just so uh, amateur hour and ridiculous Yeah. yeah showing that they can't even listen to something simple like that that was an admission from the russians yeah so that that's which what they they don't normally do that they don't normally, you know, fess up to like, well, we did we, this happened. So I don't know if it's to prove a point. It's like, look, if you do this, this
0: is what will happen. So yeah, that's like amateur hour. That's like straight up. total amateur Bond's hour. Territory. Yeah. And
1: that's some of the commentary you see is like, oh yeah. Second greatest army in the world. It's like, obviously it's not. If these things are happening, if mm. you're the second greatest or even the 10th greatest army in the world, these things don't happen in the ranks. Grumbling from the, uh, the Wagner group, the, the wild mercenaries that are involved in this too. It's like, we can't get material. We can't, I mean that, that they're, they're sketchy people yeah. anyway, but they're in, they're in the conflict and they're like, even there, this blowback coming from them saying like, we, we can't get the things we need to do to fight this. And they're supposed to be the top dogs. Yeah. Even though they're mercenaries. So it's yeah. like well okay if they if they can't do it the green recruits can't do it that's not to say that they don't have trained people in their ranks and then now they're just lobbing stuff at the at the you know hail mary at the ukrainians yeah um it's it's a mess like and that mess can only last for so long somebody has to run out of steam and i think mm-hmm. it's going to be
0: the russians first is my oh, guess because there's just so much coming from the west to the to ukraine that's going to have to come from the ranks and not from the the generals back in moscow though like i yeah. think i think the like the generals will have them fight with rocks before they have any have any russian give up any any of their ukrainian tori- ukrainian territory they have managed to hold on to but that may be a story for another time mm-hmm, definitely we- we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to queue up our interview with Ken Yee Chu. You are listening to Open Source Guelph. You're on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph campus and community radio. Go about your
2: life where streams of metal wine forever flow. Low it part our home to find who ruby hid amid the stone. Baby shut the blinds those pools of scary blood Grow, grow and grow Throw out all the plastic arms and legs The kids get a strewed around the cellar floor You say we're the
1: last in I say that the seeds and beasts survive. And that's the newest single from Wax Mannequin out of hamilton the album's coming soon there's a bit of a teaser it's called the red brain and that <laughs> song was
0: called the obelisk mm-hmm. i know some people with red brains <laughs> <laughs> i know some obelisks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, objects yeah 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 uh, some some of the finest minds cast in marble i don't know um all right, so let's get to the interview, which is with uh Ward6 new new Ward Six counselor, Ken Yi Chu. Uh just a word of uh not not caution, but uh for your information. We did record this uh right before the break. So uh I don't think it's particularly any information within is particularly outdated, but uh just so you know, we we talked to Ken before the Christmas break, just so we can have something in the can ready to go when we got back uh for this week's show. And what did we talk about? Well, we talked about how he was able to beat incumbent Mark McKinnon and the general feeling and politics of Ward Six and South End of the City, what's coming up City Council doing homework for the budget process this year, which starts in a couple of weeks. And we also talked about the new federal ward maps, which well not ward maps, the federal riding maps, um, which would uh the one released last fall would propose to split off the south end of uh guelph south of arkel to make that a part of a new wellington halton hills riding, and uh people in the south end have some pretty strong feelings about that too so (laughs) we're going to talk about that all of that with kenny chu uh we're going to hit play on that interview starting right now okay kenny chu thank you so much for joining me today
2: thanks for having me adam
0: uh I want to talk about some post-election stuff first, although technically by the time this comes to air, it'll be January, so the election's all kind of old news, but um, still, I, I, I do want to kind of uh, explore a little. You're the one candidate that um, was an upset. You um, beat an incumbent candidate to, to take your seat. I'm I'm curious as to... Um, you know, it's, it's a hard trick. And, you know, what's what's your secret? What have you learned from your your election that uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, if others can duplicate, if we're going to start picking off incumbents in the future. But I mean, in terms of the secret to your success, do, uh, do you have any ideas about uh, where that is?
2: Yeah, I, I've been asked that a lot. Um, definitely a lot of people, uh, outside of Ward 6 in particular, were very shocked when they saw that. I had come and snuck in on second place. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, it just really comes down to timing and place. For me, I have always been a political spectator, but I've never thought of myself as being political myself. Um, it seemed like people really resonated with my message at the door. I, I pitched myself as an urban designer uh, with, with municipal and private sector experience. I'm relatively young as well. so have a fresh take on how we can approach uh, planning and development Um, and this is prior to uh, having bill 23 kind (laughs) of uh, shell shock all of us here at the city but yeah I think it really just came down to my message at the door Um, I laid out my priorities very clearly Uh, I I put a heavy uh, emphasis on a digital, like a strong digital presence um, mm-hmm. and I think that really played a key role to helping people understand who I was, because for a lot of people, like I, I'm, I'm a nobody, I just, literally just came on the scene, uh, people are trying to see who I am uh, from values and a principles perspective. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was very important that I lay out my priorities. And I demonstrate that through putting together a comprehensive platform um, Which not a lot of others did, and I I took time at the door too. I didn't I didn't limit my conversations with people. I think people really appreciated that, especially the folks out in Cortright Hills who are perpetually having to deal with uh, traffic issues down down here <laughs> in Farmigan, as you may know. Um,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: And it wasn't that I promised anyone anything. I just gave I just listened, and I shared with them. You know, if I didn't have to inherit um, some of the Past decisions. This is how I would have gone about uh, certain issues, and I think people appreciate that authenticity. And like, I'm I'm just very humbled at, at the end of the day to be in this position because, like you said, it's no easy task to uh, beat off an incumbent. And you know, to Mark's credit, he he's he's a very smart uh, and intellectual uh, counselor, and he's been there for eight years. Um, and he has worked hard behind the scenes, and I don't think he gets the credit that he necessarily deserves and he's definitely taken a lot of flack uh, over uh, the last little bit and I think Mm. there's a little bit of public uh, disappointment from COVID um, especially that's kind of been thrown into the mix Uh, so I have nothing but respect for Mark but I also uh, I think realized that people were looking for something a little different around here and yeah I was able to provide people with that so I
0: did make a note of that. You said that a lot of people outside of ward six were, were shocked, um, which implies that a lot of people inside ward six were not shocked. And I am, I, I, I did have my eyes on ward six because I think that of, of sort of all six of our wards, it is kind of the most fickle. I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, yeah. Um, but it, it may come from like a sense of being sort of like the newest area of the city. Um, mm. They're, they're just in, generally in the last, four or five elections whether it's been retirement or an incumbent being defeated only one person from ward six goes back to the next council session um so i mean is, is there kind of this general feeling uh, in in your ward i mean as compared to someplace like ward five which um has sent the, the same two people back for for several elections now that you know uh, I, I guess there's a feeling of like trying to find the right combination that can best represent the area
2: Yeah, I think for me, what played into my success was bringing in a lot of first-time voters. And the demographics in Ward 6 has changed dramatically, even within the last four years, especially around the South End by Claire and Gordon. There are a lot of people that I've met at the door who have recently purchased a home or uh, started renting just uh, within uh, the start of COVID. So I think... uh, Word six is interesting. Like no one, there's no particular loyalty to any particular person, mm-hmm. and I think the change of demographics as well um, just provides a fresh landscape as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's something to consider compared to the older parts of town, for sure. Well, speaking of fresh
0: landscapes, you, you did mention Bill Twenty Three, um, and you you come at this from a a particular point of view. You're not just a city councilor, and you're not just a new city councilor, but you have, you know, staff experience at a municipality in the planning department. So I guess you know, in, in trying to, you know, wear both those hats and and those experiences comfortably on your head at the same time. Um, from your point of view, what are like planning departments and in Ontario's municipalities? You know, what are they thinking about now that Bill 23 is is law and they have to. You know adapt to all these changes you know what what are the, what are you know your colleagues thinking
2: right now i think just at the outset like everyone's a little disappointed from a process perspective that there's been such like upheaval and but i think everyone also recognizes um you know like things have to change as well um, but i think we at the municipality, at a staff level especially, would have appreciated more consultation. A lot of the CAOs uh, across the province haven't been consulted at all when this came up. It literally came up the day after the election. Mm. Uh, And for us, we're just trying to make sense of, like, how is this going to affect us from a regulatory perspective? Like, what is our purview now? Like, now that a lot of site-time control is uh essentially being abol- abolished because of bill 23 um like what is our role as planners and uh, as uh, municipal staff right um i don't think anyone's in disagreement that uh, there's a bit of a housing crisis at the moment and that we need to find a way to be more prudent with going about housing um, but it, it involves a more fulsome conversation right it's not just black and white so mm. uh f- like, I, I think all of us get the public sentiment, like we need to move things along faster. And like you've perfectly said in the past, you need a new tagline on development, right? Like, we can't just be having the same old arguments, right? That, mm. you know, if you're for development, you're automatically um, for the developers. And if you're not, you're automatically a NIMBY, right? Or right. YIMBY or whatever they call it, right? <laughs> yeah. So I do think there's a silver lining to all this, though. Like, mm. amidst all the chaos, there's opportunity for us to really have an honest conversation on what's really important to us. And I think that's kind of reflective in this next council. Um, you know, to my surprise, like everyone that I've met, especially the new councillors, they've been, they, they've approached a lot of the issues that we've had from a pragmatic perspective. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of ideological um, sentiment that's f- fueling a lot of our decision-making. And, while still a little early to say, um, I, I do feel very optimistic with this council that we can uh, very very much be pr- proactive and uh, come at the issues um, from a Guelph-centric perspective, rather than just Ward 1 versus Ward 6 uh, type of right. dynamic that you might have been used to before.
0: One of the things I will note, and I, I think we had this conversation before the election about... Um, A a lot of people, especially in your area, sort of feeling when when these planning proposals come forward and, you know, the sign goes up and they see like coming to council uh, application for, you know, mid-rise, however big it is, however, however many units, and they get concerned. And there's a kind of lack of communication or a lack of, you know, trading information. And I think this came up with the 140 Haddaddy development as well. And I'm wondering now, you're coming at it from a point of view, and I think everyone would agree like the more information going, you know, changing hands, the better between residents, developers, council, all of that. Bill 23 doesn't seem to make an allowance for that. In fact, I think staff said that, you know, in, in the future, you can look forward to more development applications with less information. And I'm, and just, you know, is that going to help? the NIMBY situation, or or I guess the the development hesitant situation if we don't want to sort of throw around words like NIMBY.
2: Yeah, I think when we look at development now, it really comes down to the personal relationship staff has with individual developers. I think that's really what's going to change the conversation. Like I just had a meeting with uh, Fusion Homes this morning with Dominique, and and they've been approaching a lot of the other ward counselors. As well uh, very proactively and they've expressed their desire to work with us and truly really, uh bring public engagement at the forefront of uh, any major decisions that they make so yeah you have folks like fusion that really want to uh develop the gic land uh mm. well innovation district gid land sorry yeah uh, in a more holistic and fulsome way uh, that respects the natural heritage and the the adjacent uh, conservatory lands as well um but then you have some that i guess really just have lesser experience with uh going about site plan control uh and i think that those are the folks that uh, may be a little harder to i guess uh convince um otherwise when they do bring a proposal forward um And we just have to find a way to work around that uh, just through pure goodwill. Um, Mm. I guess from a policy perspective, it's going to be very hard for us, but uh, there definitely has to be some advocacy that uh, is really coming at it from like a centrist perspective, right? Like we can't necessarily be going at it from uh, left and right anymore. So I think people are starting to come to grips and understand that this is the new dynamic that we have to do business with through and, Um, again like I have every bit of confidence in our council to be able to have these kind of conversations uh, with the five of us that are newly elected Mm. Uh, time will tell right Uh, (laughs) yeah kind of how I um, see things moving forward right like it's really just goodwill and collaboration and uh, just out of uh, any developer that would want to work with us right like you know we can provide them feedback but if they don't want to take the feedback it, it is really it's really going to be extremely difficult for us to push back right um, right
0: i was going to say that because you know i'm a, I'm a bitter and cynical old man and the the um the thing about goodwill is uh you know there are no regulations on goodwill and for every fusion homes who i think are you know i i think they're making an honest effort and they know that they're going to be under the microscope because of being the first developer to to work in the GID lands, uh, they know that they're going to be under a lot of scrutiny and will want to put their best face forward. However, you know, there are a lot of developers who know that the rules are now on their side, that they hold the winning hand whenever they roll up to the council chambers and, you know, maybe don't have to play uh, a diplomatic role
2: as as much as we hope they would. A lot of people don't realize this, but especially in Guelph, our staffing capacity is much lower than a lot of the other GT municipalities get work expected to provide the standard of service that's equivalent to those municipalities not to mention as well we're essentially a single tier system where it's only really uh, social housing is is what uh, we uh, hand off to the county so right. there's a lot on our plate uh, and i really emphasize with our city staff um so i think we have to manage expectations just given the context that we are in And I think that's part of the communication piece that needs to happen more regularly. Um, So I I try my best to meet with folks at the door. That's what got me elected. And I'm going to continue to try my best to go door to door and uh, have these kind of honest conversations with people. And the more we have these kind of conversations, the more we realize that we actually have a lot in common. Uh, You know, a lot of the activists that we see in town, uh, they're actually like very, very reasonable people, right? Like, I think front-facing just in the media, it seems like, oh, like, they're all about, you know, climate change and and just going green. But no, realistically, uh, there's a lot of uh, solutions that we can um, bring forward from a site plan perspective that it is it is actually very cost-effective, right? Mm. But it's just a matter of how we have these kind of conversations, right? Um, mm. So... I don't know if I'm being idealistic. But it really comes down to, in my opinion, right? Uh, it can't hurt to be
0: a little idealistic, I suppose. But, um, you know, we're recording before the holidays. Um, you're going to be coming right in after the holidays and jumping right into the budget. Uh, so, a lot of that's, you know, you mentioned the staffing issue, and I think there's undoubtedly going to be a requirement. To, uh on the city to sort of staff up a bit more people more people means more money and uh there's already I think the 5.1 percent uh Levy increase on the the books for 2023 are you feeling sort of adequately prepared for a lot of these um these these sort of I I guess one or one or the other discussions that I think the the budget approval is going to come down to or is or are you going to be doing a lot of studying over the
2: holidays? <laughs> for me i'm curious to see what staff puts forward um in the new year um i think we have to remind everyone that this is a budget reconfirmation not an entirely new budget that Mm -hmm. we're posing that's right so there's a lot of background context that like i have to admit i don't have the full picture for and i think it's going to be up to me to ask those questions when the new budget reconfirmation uh, comes forward in front of council Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um but i think like there will be further opportunities for me to ask deeper questions and bring forward proposals uh um just i think this might be a little premature to do so like in this budget reconfirmation process Mm. like i just i want to trust staff and i want to trust that this multi-year budget that's been approved uh, in the last council uh, is going on track. And for me, I'd rather see things go on track than having to do a whole bunch of rework because, you know, time is money, time is valuable, and time is precious right now to staff. So um, for me, it's really just about uh, getting an understanding of the past context in which decisions were made, not necessarily going through and um, just creating trouble, right? (laughs) So... (laughs) Yeah, lack of better words. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. Uh,
0: it does. You know, I think you might be onto something though. That you know, there is a a four year multi year budget that's going to come forward in later in twenty twenty three as well. So there's a lot of work uh that's going to go into that too. Um, I'm going to ask you about uh sort of a non city concern, but it it sort of addresses your area directly, and that is um. The, the potential redrawing of the ward maps, and and both Mark and Dominique uh, testified, or I guess uh, delegated to to federal commission about redrawing the ward maps. But essentially, it's you know it's going to be Ward six in one federal and provincial riding, and then the rest of Guelph in its own provincial riding. Um, is, is this something? Uh, you're worried about? The final report isn't coming till February, but I mean, just in terms of, you know, the the, the whole thing about Ward 6 versus the rest of the city, is, <laughs> are you worried about that not helping the situation?
2: Yeah, I actually put out a, a mini-statement of my own uh, shortly after Mark and Dominique uh, testified at the committee. Uh, I was talking to folks at Courtright Hills and this came up and like this directly affects them as well, so... Yeah, like I share the same concerns. I think, like I'm, I'm a little uh, fearful of the rural-urban divide that may take place because of this redistricting. Uh, mm. But you know, time will tell, right? Like how this all plays out, and if this actually goes forward the way it is, um, I personally don't like it. Mm. But we're in a weird situation because, like the south south of Guelph. Um, it, I think, from a social and economic perspective, would benefit from having its own MP. But we're not at the that population level yet where we mm. can have that. But we're not small enough that so that we <laughs> we can have that. So it's a weird situation that we're in. Um, so it, it, I think when it if it does come to pass, it really we we just have to make sure that our issues are being advocated for. Mm. Um, front and center, right? Uh, Because uh, we are going to make up a huge population uh, number uh, in this new riding if that's going to be the case, right? And we can't be competing with uh, Fergus, right? Um, Right. uh, So, I don't know, we'll have to see.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm ambivalent too, because it means like twice the number of candidates I have to, you know, we have to interview on the show and uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's... (laughs) It it, it it you know doubles my workload so who knows uh, maybe to wrap up uh sort of in terms of your own kind of personal projects as uh, as a counselor in 2023 what what's kind of on your 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 personal agenda in terms of what you want to do this year
2: yeah so i i think once you know the holiday season you know comes to pass like, i'll have a better idea of what i can and can't do um that's so that's what I'm quickly learning uh, as a new counselor. <laughs> uh, I've, I, I'm in this weird situation where you know, I'm still currently employed with the city of Brampton at the at the for for the time being, and you know I don't report to anyone above my manager or director. And now I can't. I, I don't necessarily have associations with people below GM. <laughs> so I'm I'm quickly learning the difference between governance and management and believe it or not there's a lot of crossover that people don't realize uh but i'm trying to be as respectful as i can um to make sure that i don't cross those boundaries but at the same time ensure that i'm not just a glorified spokesperson Mm. uh, on council like i want to be effective as much as i can uh, but there are many different ways to be effective and i think for me i really want to try to help push the narrative that uh you know we need to have more design focus in our policy conversation and governance conversations because especially when it comes to development right um, and it's going to be important that we try to push this kind of narrative forward um in the new year when bill 23 comes to pass and when we start to see what the regulatory impacts are to us as a municipality so i think a bit of idealism coming out of me from that standpoint uh wouldn't hurt as well uh <laughs> But I am also vice chair of uh, public services now, and I'll be working closely with uh, Kathy Downer. Uh, So I'm more curious to see how we can uh, collaborate on the agenda items that come forward um, as well. Uh, I was speaking with uh, some EMS folks uh, just down Clare Road today uh, after I delivered some cookies to them, and they're telling me uh, just from top down how understaffed they are and how Mm how the situation like albeit it comes it starts from the provincial level it, it's really having an impact on us like as a municipality so i'm more curious to see if there are ways in which we can help alleviate some of those pressures or at least be an advocate for some of these issues that are often unheard um so mm. There's a whole bunch of things, uh, but <laughs> to, to say the least, but I'm I'm still trying to find my bearings. If I'm being completely honest, no,
0: no, and uh, yeah, we're we're not even te- as we're recording. We're not even technically in 2023 yet, and you already have a That's full plate. Right. So, sure. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Ken, if uh, people want to reach out to you. Um, you know we don't typically ask this on the show but since you you are a new counselor what what's your what, what are your digits you know how can people find you out there if they want to ask a question or get in touch
2: yeah so uh, i got a new phone number so it's 226-332-5406 and i'm also rolling out a new website hopefully sometime in the new year and it'll, it's just my name dot k e n y e e uh, C-H-E-W.ca. And I'm hoping to just keep an active line of communication and uh, just try to streamline some city services uh, that I can uh, be a role, uh, a support for. So you can stay on the lookout for that. And my email is uh, ken, dot ch.e.w. at guelph.ca. So if you have any concerns, especially if you're a Ward 6 resident, uh, feel free to. Uh, just flip me an email Um, and yeah, I look forward to representing the city uh, these next four years and working with you and having more talks and conversations. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we'll have more of these to come. Uh,
0: There, there will be many more, but uh, I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time today, Ken. So thanks for coming on today.
2: Thanks. Adam.
0: All right. And once again, that was Ken Yichu and uh, we thank him for coming on and uh, we got a, got to get back to the to the email machine and start sending out those interview requests again because we got we got 51 more Mm. shows to fill this year new year
1: new shows new counselors rock and roll yeah
0: (laughs) that's our new slogan We're now going to start playing the hits here on... Anyway, <laughs> that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. You can stay connected to us at our website, opensourcesguelph.com. You can find us on social media at Open Sources Newswire on Facebook and o- at os underscore guelph on Twitter. If you'd like to listen to our show again, you can download it from our website every Monday at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca.
1: And I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Twitter, and Mastodon. And if you're listening to us on the FM right now, stay
0: tuned for at six o'clock, we have the great Turtle Island Underground. Mm hmm. And stay tuned for all great programming on CFRU. Just like that. This is CFRU 93.3 FM CFRU.ca Guelph campus and community radio. We shall return next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another fresh 2023 edition of Open Sources. And we will see you then.